Alright, good more after evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are. My name is Mike Adams, and allow me to be the first to welcome you to the brand new Vets and Beer podcast. This is the sound of a brand new episode. And this is the sound of pure relaxation. <sighs> so this is a uh, variety podcast. We're going to talk about sports, politics, uh, film from the perspective of a veteran like me, hence the name of the pod. Uh, We're also going to interview other veterans and talk about their post-military life, experiences they'd like to share, and favorite Whack Shack porn stars. If you don't know what a Whack Shack is, you might not be a vet, (laughs) or you were just in the Coast Guard. Just teasing. Just teasing. A little friendly fire over here. Um, So I think the best way to start this is to tell you a little bit about myself. Like it's an army promotion board or something. So I guess I'll start with my bio. Uh, I joined the army when I was 19 and attended one station unit training at Fort Lost in the Woods, Missouri. Yes, I said Missouri, not Missouri. Uh, I served as a military police guy for eight years. Was a sergeant for several years. Got out a couple of years ago to pursue my dream of not being in the military anymore. Now I bum around in the rain in the lovely wet state of Washington. I'm a huge Seahawks, Mariners, Kraken fan. Notice the theme there. Uh, I love, 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 love football uh, to an unhealthy obsession. Uh, but on this podcast, we're also going to talk about NBA, we're going to talk about MLB, we're going to talk NHL, XFL, soccer, pornography, film, uh, you know, like Star Wars and Marvel, nothing pretentious or artsy or any douchey stuff like that. Uh, we're going to talk all kinds of shit, so. Uh, but it was like I said earlier, we're going to have vets on the show to talk about their interests as well. I might know a few, you know, over the time of my... Over the eight years I spent in the Army and all the time I've spent around other veterans, inside and outside of my family, yeah, I might know a couple that uh, we can talk to over the time that uh, we're doing this podcast. So, um, But uh, as for our first topic, uh, let's talk about the biggest thing that happened in sports yesterday, which was, of course, the NFL, AFC, and NFC Championship games uh, these are the games to determine who is going on to the super bowl the first game yesterday was between the san francisco 49ers and the philadelphia eagles the 49ers quickly uh ran into trouble when disaster quarterback turned starter brock purdy throughout his elbow then catastrophe quarterback turned second string josh johnson came into play and got hurt then the 49ers brought back Brock Purdy just to facilitate handoffs. The only other option that was discussed was to turn to Christian McCaffrey to be the quarterback. I don't know exactly what to call that. I mean, if Brock Purdy's your disaster quarterback and Josh Johnson is your catastrophe quarterback, I don't know what's worse than catastrophe. <laughs> I guess we could just call it your, your Tim Tebow quarterback. <laughs> But anyways, the the 49ers were stuck in a situation where all they could do was hand the ball off to McCaffrey in running plays. It was was like an Army-Navy type of game where you know that every play is going to be a handoff. 
And then the craziest thing happened. McCaffrey put the team on his back. He broke one tackle. Then he broke two tackles. Three tackles. And willed his way into the end zone. It was remarkable. The Philly crowd uh, felt sick as they contemplated losing to a 49ers team that didn't even have a quarterback. It had to be heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. had to be terrible to be an Eagles fan. Bradley Cooper was nearly crying until he looked up at the scoreboard and realized, oh wait, the final score is 31-7. to The Eagles beat the shit out of the 49ers. <laughs> I, I, I did pick the 49ers to win that game. Um, but to be fair, I couldn't possibly account for the 49ers losing their quarterback. S- plural. <laughs> I couldn't account for every quarterback on the team just, like, fucking dying, you know? Uh, the, the, the big takeaway from that game is that it's, you know, here, here's what I took away from that game. It's really, 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 really hard to win. When your quarterback can't throw the football. <laughs> that was the situation they were in. The, the 49ers had Brock Purdy in the game to just facilitate handoffs. The Eagles knew it. Uh, they stopped dropping defenders back. They were stacking the box in every play. There was just nothing the 49ers could do offensively in that game. They had no chance. Uh, the, the Eagles knew what they were doing every single down. First down, oh, you're going to run the ball. Second down, oh, you're going to run the ball. Third down, oh, you're going to run the ball. Every now and then they would do like a, a screen play or something, but it was because Purdy clearly could not throw the ball down the field or, or the team, at least Kyle Shanahan, the head coach um, slash offensive play caller, was clearly not comfortable uh, putting Purdy in a situation to throw the ball down the field. So let's move over to the AFC side. The AFC championship was much, much, much better. It was a... Rematch between the Bengals and the Chiefs. Uh, the winner is going to go on to the Super Bowl. If it sounds familiar, that's because you've actually seen this movie before. It happened exactly one year ago where the AFC Championship was in Arrowhead, uh, which is the, the stadium that the Chiefs play in. Uh, and it was between the Chiefs and the Bengals. Winner goes on to the Super Bowl. A year ago, the game went to overtime. Uh, the, the Bengals... Got the ball, uh, drove down and got a touchdown. Actually, I think that no, the Chiefs got the ball first, and then the Bengals got drove down, got a touchdown, won the game, went on to the Super Bowl, lost to Los Angeles in Los Angeles, strangely enough. Um, but this Super Bowl was a rematch, and boy, did both teams know it. Uh, so coming into the game, Joe Cool Burrow was three and zero against Patrick Mahomes, and so the uh, the Bengals players all week. Oh, yeah, got a little fire action going on outside. Fire truck just zoomed by. Um, but anyway, so uh, Joe Burrow was 3-0 against Mahomes coming into the game. All week, uh, the Bengals players kept referring to the Chiefs stadium as Burrowhead Stadium. Like, like I said, it's, it's actually Arrowhead Stadium. They kept calling it Burrowhead because Burrow's been so successful there. The trash talk actually got so bad and so out of hand that politicians got involved. That's right, politicians. The mayor of Cincinnati actually said in a video tweet, uh, here's the quote. Joseph Lee Burrow, who's 3-0 against Mahomes, has been asked by officials to take a paternity test confirming whether or not he's his father. 
I guess that was supposed to be a roast of some sort. Some sort. Uh, wasn't very good. <laughs> Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center actually called for the Cincinnati mayor to maybe just be a mayor and not give bulletin board material to the Chiefs. But as far as the game actually went, the game was close. Uh, it actually came down to a field goal. The Chiefs were the ones kicking it, and the Chiefs uh, ended up winning the game. Uh, the Chiefs didn't forget all the trash talk, though. <laughs> when the game was over, uh, here's Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, and Andy Reid uh, on the game. <laughs> Whoa! Burrow had my ass! Whoa! It's Mahomes' house! Hey, I got some wise words for that Cincinnati mayor. Know your role and shut your mouth, you jabroni! We shot this place at Arrowhead. It's not Burrowhead out here. No, it's not Burrowhead anymore. Patrick, you guys are really good at, at not letting the trash talk get back to the podium. Um, Travis made it obvious that he had heard some of that. Just how inside the locker room is. It looked motivating between you guys to, to kind of gear up um, for this type of, of matchup. Yeah, I think guys were probably the most pumped up I've seen them going into a football game. Uh, a lot of trash talk coming from a lot of different places. I think no one picked us to win. If so, it was like 5% of people. Um, and uh, we think we built up enough uh, enough respect to, to have a chance to go out and win every game. So uh, whenever you feel like you're the underdog, when you're playing at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, it gets guys ready to go. What's it in particular they said? Just the Burrowhead stuff? Yeah, I mean, you got Burrowhead. You see, I mean, they beat us last time. They were talking about we, we got to play them. There's a lot of stuff. I mean, the mayor came at me, man. I mean, I mean, I understand he's the mayor of Cincinnati, so he has to think about something. But uh, I mean, it's it, it's something that you just got to play the football game and then let your play do the talking. Yeah, listen, I uh, our guys did a great job of not going that direction. Um, I, you know, the, their mayor their mayor said it all, and uh, you know, so I'm glad our mayor just did what he did, and uh, so. Um, uh, yeah, some people heard it. <laughs> uh, all right, now uh, let me be clear. It's not like the Chiefs wouldn't have gotten up for this game on their own. It, it's the fucking AFC Championship game, all right? The reward is a trip to the Super Bowl. L let's walk through it. From last offseason, all the workouts you're doing as a player, as an individual... Through training camp in the summer, to three pre to three preseason games, then 18 weeks of the regular season, to the last three weeks of the postseason. I'll give you there were some bye weeks in there, but from you know a year ago to now, all you've been wanting to do is get to the Super Bowl and and, and to have a chance to compete for a win, and that's where where you're at right now. That, that was the motivation coming into the games. We'll have a chance to go and achieve our dreams of winning, for some of them, another Super Bowl, for some of the players on the team, a first Super Bowl. So the, the, the Chiefs probably didn't need any extra motivation to compete their asses off all week. But judging by those sound bites, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that, yes, the Bengals talking shit really did motivate the Chiefs and provide extra uh, incentives this week. You know, uh, Mahomes even uh, commented that, that he had never seen the guys that motivated and, and working that hard coming into a game. Uh, you know, look, I, one thing I don't want to do, I don't want to be like a platitude type of guy, right? I, I hate when people are commenting on sports and they say like dumb things like, uh, 
It comes down to who wants it more. I think that's one of the biggest loads of bullshit in sports. Uh, other than situations where you're like literally fighting for an extra inch and all of your guys are pushing one way and all of their guys are pushing the other way, then maybe it'll kind of come down to who wants it just a little bit more, who can reach this a little bit deeper inside. But it also might not. It also might just be, hey, they got the bigger guys than us, you know? That's what I think is one of the biggest loads of bullshit. But where it does kind of apply is in your prep work. It applies to when you're at the gym and you're getting an extra set in at the weight bench, you know, cause, cause you you just, you need that extra set cause you really want to beat these fucking guys. Or it comes in when you're spending an extra hour watching game film or when you're staying late after practice to talk through a few key, a few like key points with your position coach or your coordinator, or when you're blowing off your side chick so that you can watch film at home it applies when you've got an extra little bit of motivation. And I think that's what the Bengals gave to them in this game. They gave them that little extra bit of motivation. Now, to be fair, despite all of that, the Bengals did have a chance to win this game. Or at the minimum to take it to overtime just like a year ago. Late in the game when Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were driving into field goal range, Mahomes ran for a first down. He got out of bounds, and then he was hit late by Bengals defensive end uh, Joseph Osai. Uh, There was about eight seconds left on the clock. The Chiefs would then go on to kick the game winner with three seconds left on the clock. Uh, After the game, Osai was totally bummed out. Uh, There were several shots of him crying on the sideline, you know, feeling sorry that he had just let his team down and everything else. I tried to find a soundbite for that, but I couldn't find one. Instead, I got this ESPN article. Um, Asahi said, I got to learn from experience. I got to know not to get close to that quarterback when he's close to the sideline. If it's anything that could possibly cause a penalty in a dire situation like that, I got to do better. I was just in full chase mode. I was trying to push him, maybe get him going backwards because I knew he was going for that sideline. I was trying to make him go backwards, get that clock running. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know how far out of bounds we were. And I did see video of this on SportsCenter. Um, and I got to say that he he was completely bummed. <laughs> he was down, man. Um, now what I do have audio of is going into the Bengals... Uh, tunnel after the game Bengals linebacker Jermaine Pratt uh, was screaming and shouting was was very noticeably upset about the outcome of the game it's kind of hard to make out exactly what he's saying because he's shouting it's loud there's a lot of echo you know it is a tunnel um, but he's pissed okay and I think what he's shouting about is Osai's play I, I think he's yelling because he's mad at Osai for hitting the guy um he could also just be upset at the league for how overly protected the quarterback is, and maybe that's what he was shouting about. I could see that. Because, honestly, when I was looking at it, it didn't seem that egregious of a hit to me. Um, it, it looked more like just like a little shove, and I still get away with that more times than not. And so he actually hurt himself more than he hurt Mahomes on that play. I don't know. Anyways, here's Pratt yelling at somebody after the game. <laughs> Why the fuck did you cut the quarterback? 
like I said, it's really hard to make out. Um, after listening to it on repeat several times and also reading comments on Twitter, um, I, I think here's what it is. I think what he said is, no, we not good. This my motherfucking last year. The fuck? Why would you touch the quarterback? All right, that, that's what that's what I heard. Anyways, Let, let's try it. Let's try it again. See if, uh, like I said, I, I think it's no, we not good. This my motherfucking last year. The fuck? Why would you touch the quarterback? Oh, we not good. This motherfucking last year. The fuck? Why the fuck did you touch the quarterback? Yeah. Anyways, uh, if, if you got a different interpretation from that, feel free to drop it in the comments on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all of which have the handle Vets and Beer. So check us out, Vets and Beer. We are on all of those platforms. Um, but anyway, so clearly tensions were high. Players were not happy about Burrowhead uh, no longer being a thing. Though to be fair... How long did you realistically think you could keep calling it Burrowhead? Like, how long did you think that uh, uh, Joe Burrow would continue to beat Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs? The Chiefs are a really, 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 really good football team. They, they, I mean, we're going to get into all of Mahomes' stats uh, in, in the next segment. But, look, the reality is that the, the Chiefs are dominantly and, and by far – they're, they're the kings of the AFC. And until dethroned, they are the best. I'm sorry, they, they've just been so dominant for so long now. Half a decade. For half a decade, they've been in the AFC championship game. That's obnoxiously good. So, no, I, don't, I didn't think that consistently the Bengals would just come in and beat the shit out of the Chiefs every time. Anyways, uh, our Super Bowl is going to be Chiefs versus the Eagles. Probably around the middle of the year this year, it was that was a Super Bowl we could have predicted. Um, as the season went on, I actually changed my mind because I thought that the 49ers had gotten really hot, and I really thought the 49ers would, would be in that game. Like I said, I couldn't possibly account for them losing all of their quarterbacks from that point to now. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the Super Bowl uh, in a couple of weeks. All right, the next thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about Patrick fucking Mahomes. This guy is just so damn good. So, in his first five seasons, Mahomes has been to five... His, his first... Let me clarify. His first five seasons as the starter. He's actually been in the league for six years, but his rookie year, he sat behind Alex Smith. In his second year, he was announced as the starter, or declared as the starter, whatever term you want to use. Since then, he's been to five AFC championships in all five of those seasons. He's on his way to his third Super Bowl. He's a Super Bowl champion and MVP. He's won the regular season MVP before and probably is going to win it this year. So in a couple of weeks, uh, he'll, he'll be the two-time regular season MVP. This is by far the most impressive first five starting seasons to a quarterback's career that we've ever seen. The, the next closest thing would be Brady. Uh, in, in Tom Brady's first five seasons as a starter, those were also magical. He did go to three Super Bowls and won three Super Bowls. But in the two years that he missed the Super Bowl, they didn't make it to the championship round. And actually, in one of those years, missed the playoffs entirely. In 2002, the Patriots didn't make it. Um, and Brady also didn't win any individual MVPs 
outside of the Super Bowl. He didn't win any regular season MVPs in that time. He didn't win his first regular season MVP until 2007, which was seven years after he had gotten to the league. He was drafted in 2000. So in Mahomes' first five years, he has by far been the most impressive quarterback we've ever seen. We've never seen anything like this. Um, now, look, let me put some perspective on this. Let's put some respect on it as far as Tom Brady goes. Many of us, myself included, consider Tom Brady to be the greatest of all time or the GOAT. You've probably heard the expression before. Um, but if you ask me who had the better first five seasons, oh, I'd have to say Mahomes. And then if you multiply that by four, which would get Mahomes to 20 years, and assuming he could sustain that for all 20 years, Mahomes would be the unrivaled GOAT, right? If, if, if he had these five years on repeat, yeah, I guess even if, you, even if you only won one Super Bowl every five years, you'd still have a hell of a career. And with all those individual MVPs, it'd be really hard to argue that you're not the greatest of all time if you could do that, right? It, let's, let's say that he actually ends up winning two of them. What if he wins this Super Bowl in a couple of weeks? Well, that would mean he, he would crush Brady in, in the amount of Super Bowl wins. So I actually posted a question on our YouTube page. Uh, I posted a little poll for you. So if you want to participate, go to YouTube and type at VetBeer. That's our handle on, on YouTube. You can participate in the poll. Um, the question is, is Mahomes already contending with Brady for GOAT status? You can answer yes. You can answer no. We'll talk about it on the next episode. All right. Um, the last thing that I want to discuss is a really heavy topic. And, and let me say that on this show, I actually, I, I don't plan to do too many heavy topics. You know, I, I don't like talking about heavy things. Who does? But I also don't want to back away from it, right? If, if there's something really important that we should talk about, I do want to talk about it. I don't want to shy away. I don't want to back down. So the difficult topic that I do want to talk about is the death of Tyree Nichols. Now, this isn't a political podcast. I'm not going to give you a strong left-wing or right-wing opinion. First of all, I actually don't align with far left or far right. I'm not going to tell you which way to vote or what to do with your body or your guns or anything like that. But from time to time, look, you might get my opinion on those things, but it's not going to be very strong. Like, oh, you must do this, must do that. You're an asshole if you believe in this, believe in that type of thing, right? That's not, I don't really believe that. I think there's way too much of that in our country. There's way too much of, you know, hey, you're, you're either with us or against us type of mentality. I think most of us in this country are actually just somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I, I think most of us have our political opinions based on topics, not actually based on party. Um, so from time to time, you might get my opinion on those types of things. But overall, I really don't want to get that deep into it because uh, those topics just get so divisive so fast. Now, there is nothing to indicate that what happened to Tyree Nichols is divisive. I don't see how anybody could possibly disagree 
with me saying that what those five police officers did to that man was 100% wrong. If you don't know, Tyree Nichols was a man driving home when he was pulled over by a policeman for reckless driving. And I did put reckless driving in quotes here because he was in the left lane turning left with his signal on. I'm not entirely sure. And that's just where the video started. So I don't know. Maybe the reckless driving was before then at some point. But and he he was very verbal and conscious and... there was, I don't know, from what I was seeing, there was nothing to indicate reckless driving, but I did only get the very back end of it, to be fair. But anyway, so Tyree and the officer had a short discussion, and then Tyree was pulled from his car and dragged to the ground. Uh, the body camera footage, um, as well as the streetlight footage, which you can find all on YouTube, you, you see that Tyree was completely unarmed, he wasn't resisting arrest, he was being beaten by five police officers who were yelling at him, cursing at him. A young M to, to stop resisting and all kinds of things. While, meanwhile, it appeared to me that he wasn't resisting. They were just beating the living shit out of this guy. Um, he actually gets away from the officers at one point and tries to run home. They catch up to him, tackle him to the ground. Um, by the way, his home was only a few houses down from where he was stopped. Um, the officers caught up to him and, and then, it just, then beat him even worse. Um, on the video, you actually see them kick him in the head a couple of times. You see Tyree calling for his mother. You see the officers laughing about the incident after the fact. It, God, it, this was such a hard video to watch, um, it, as a lot of these have been. But th- this one particularly was really difficult. Um, Tyree would... A, a lot of people... Before I get to the next part. Um, a lot of people compared this video to the Rodney King beatings. And I was watching uh, Stephen A. Smith's podcast, and he had a really excellent point about that. He's like, well, it, it's similar. The, the brutality of the beating is kind of similar to the Rodney King uh, beatings, but there's a very distinctive difference. Rodney King lived. This man died. Tyree was taken to the hospital where his family said that he was unrecognizable from the beatings. He died three days later from the injuries that the police officers uh, inflicted on him. Uh, the officers were a part of a specialized unit called Scorpion uh, that was designed to bring the community together in Memphis. The unit was supposed to be conducting community-oriented policing. According to Ben Crump, who is the um, lawyer representing the Nichols family, others in the area have actually reached out and said the Scorpion had been harassing them as well. This included a pizza boy who said that members of Scorpion actually held a gun to his head while he was trying to deliver pizzas. And, you know, they were just fucking with him. (laughs) That's what they were doing. And you might say, well, how come he didn't report it? Because that's what we always say, right? When when things like this happen, we we have a tendency to go, well, why didn't they report it? Why aren't they saying anything until now? How about this? He did report it. He called the police twice that night, and uh, I think Crump said a third time to follow up. He, he reported it. He, he did what he was supposed to do. Meanwhile, those officers weren't pulled from the street. They weren't stopped while, while the, anyone was investigating the, the Pizza Boys claims. They, they allowed them to just keep patrolling and continue doing their, their antics. And those antics included beating Tyree Nichols to death. 
Now, I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I worked in law enforcement for eight years. Um, and what I can tell you is that nothing the Scorpion unit did in regards to Tyree Nichols was right. Based on what I saw in that video, they didn't do a single damn thing right. I was never trained to do any of the things that they did. I was never trained that, oh yeah, if, if you have a guy detained and handcuffed, you should kick him in the head a couple of times for good measure. I definitely was sure as fuck never taught to do that. Um, you, know, you know, last year, or maybe, no, it was a few years ago now, was the, the George Floyd situation, which was also unbelieving, un unbelievably wrong when um, Derek Chauvin kneeled on George Floyd's neck for close to nine minutes and he ended up uh, suffocating and dying. And one of the things I do remember about that whole situation was the fact that that knee to the neck technique, I was actually taught that. I was taught how to do that when I was working in law enforcement. Now, as a part of being taught that, I was always taught you do that until you can until you can restrain their arms and get their arms behind their back and get them in cuffs. And the moment you have them in control and you have them in cuffs, you, you let your knee up and you get them into the patrol car. As soon as you can get them into the back of the patrol car, you do it. That's what I was trained to do. I was, sir, I was sure as fuck not taught to sit there and kneel on a man's neck for nine minutes until he stopped breathing. That was not a part of the training. It was very clear, hey, as soon as you can let up, you put him in the car. The reason that I think of that when I'm thinking of what happened to Tyree Nichols in this horrific situation, I can't really find the, the proper words to describe this, but the reason I bring that up is because once this is an instance where I wasn't trained to do any of the shit that these guys were doing. Uh, my handcuffing technique was very different from theirs. I can tell you that much. Uh, you know, so God, this whole situation is just such a nightmare. One of the things that often gets brought up in these incidents is what, what is the background of the, the, the victim um, the person who the police attacked, what's their background? Do they have a criminal history? Well, according to, to Crump, the lawyer, Tyree has no criminal history, no priors, was not a troublemaker in the community, uh, was, was never causing issues. It wasn't, you know, a lot of people attacked uh, George Floyd's character after the, the situation. They, they went into his criminal history and things like that. I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this. I, I thought that was completely uncalled for. I felt like his history really was irrelevant to the way that he was treated in that situation by the police. And in this situation, of course, that's the same thing. But if, if you are the person who wants to get into the, the criminal background and stuff like that, according to the lawyer, there is no criminal background. When we look into to this man's history, we're not going to find anything, um, anything bad, anything to tell us that this was a troublemaker or a man that, that had prior situations with law enforcement like this. You know, um, and the other thing we actually learned from the lawyer is that uh, Tyree had Crohn's disease. Uh, so so he's not a particularly big guy either, you know, and I, I don't know much about Crohn's disease. What I do know is it causes issues in your stomach and your, your digestion uh, tract, I think. And that often leads to mal malnutrition. That's what I know. And, and so that sounds to me like somebody who would be underweight and a beating w would inflict serious harm to them. You know, one of the things that I can do and will do on this podcast is 
give you some law enforcement perspectives on, on incidents and situations. And this one, there's not really a law enforcement perspective I can give you. <laughs> this reminds me a lot of Breonna Taylor or George Floyd, where the cops were completely wrong. There's other instances, and, and once again, I don't want to get into them right now, but there were instances where you could justify certain actions taken by police officers in, like I said, certain specific situations. Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, those weren't situations where I could back up the police officers. This is a, another situation I can't back up the police officers. The police officers were wrong. Um, it, when the cops are right, you're definitely going to hear me say it. You're going to hear me tell you what the steps were and, and what they were supposed to do. All five of the officers related to the situation were let go. The medics and others who responded to the situation are being investigated for not reacting quicker once they arrived on the scene. Uh, in the body camera footage, you'll see a lot of them just standing around and talking to the officers before even responding to Tyree. The, the whole situation was fucked. I, I don't know. I, I don't I don't have a better way to describe it to you. Um, I'm sorry to leave you on a down note uh, to close out the episode. I just didn't really want to talk about this and then get into sports. I, I don't think I could really do that because, let's be clear, sports are not important when compared to the life of somebody else, right? You know, so I'll give you more information as information comes out. Generally, the show is going to be a lot cheerier, like I said. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to back down from tough conversations. Um, we're going to talk about real stuff, and uh, we're also going to drink beer and uh, have a good time. So please like and subscribe for more content. And that was the first episode of the Vets and Beer podcast.